We are beginning a new sermon series today called Saints and Sinners, where over the next few weeks we're going to look at both saints and sinners in the Bible and think about uh, what the difference is between saints and sinners. We may discover that the difference is very slim. Today we'll be looking at a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is found on page 960 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My mother used to say that the two most important lessons you can teach your children are one, to wash their hands, and two, to pray. I think it's because both of those things are very healthy for our children. <laughs> but as children, we learn lots of different ways to pray. We try to teach our children through different types of memory verses and different types of prayers. We try to teach them at a very early age, hoping that they will continue to pray all throughout their life. We teach them things when we have meals like God is great, God is good, or when we're over on Wednesday nights, we sing Johnny Appleseed, and it's a way of, of getting them in, in the habit of praying before meals, or even here in church, we might teach them to pray things like the Lord's Prayer. That's why we recite those things over and over again, so that children will learn how to pray from an early age, and will hopefully continue to pray all throughout their life. But no matter how many times we practice, for some people, praying, especially praying in, in public, is, is always a little bit out of their comfort zone. I can remember very clearly when I was a, a teenager going to youth group at our church. We were gathered around ready for the meal. Pizza had been ordered, and, and our youth leader, Jenna, said, all right, I need someone to pray, and she pointed to my brother, Alex. Alex did not like to pray in public, and so we stood there for a few minutes while he stared at his feet and hemmed and hawed, and the smell of pizza was filling our nose, and 
Finally, Jenna looked at him and said, all right, just say one of those prayers you said when, or you learned when you were a child. And he very quickly said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. We all laughed too. That's such a precious prayer, isn't it? Do you remember praying that prayer as a child? Maybe you pray it with your children now. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then if you're like me, it continues with a a long litany of people's names. Bless mommy and daddy and my brothers and my sisters. Bless my friends at school. Bless grandpa and grandma and and grandpa who's in heaven now. And bless those people around the world who are hungry. And and bless me too so I can do well on my test tomorrow. A long litany of names. All because we are teaching our children how to pray. But I don't know if you heard it, or maybe you don't think about it when you pray that prayer, but there, that prayer really contains some pretty heavy stuff. I don't know if you heard it there, that when, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I surely didn't think about that as a child when I learned to pray that prayer. I certainly didn't worry about what was going to happen to me when I closed my eyes and went to sleep. I dare say my parents were more worried that I would stay awake all night long rather than something else happening to me. But this words, the words of this little prayer written back in the 1700s are, are there to calm our fears, to remind us that whether our eyes are open or our eyes are closed, in life and in death and in life again, God has a hold on us. God will never ever let us go. And so we have nothing to fear. If I die... Before I wake, I pray my soul, the Lord, to take. It's that fear, believe it or not, that Paul is talking about in our passage to the Thessalonians this morning. The Thessalonians were really one of Paul's favorite churches. It's somewhere between the Thessalonians and the Philippians. He seemed to love the Thessalonians. If you read the letter, it's a, a very complimentary letter about all the ways that they have followed his word and followed his teachings and that they continue to love Jesus Christ. And like Christians at that time, they believed in the promises of Jesus, that, that Christ was coming and the kingdom was coming, but it was also coming soon. It was going to be coming in the next few days, which caused some fear in their hearts because as they were waiting for this promise to come, they kept waiting. And people who they loved were passing away. They were dying and they were wondering, what happens to those people who die before the kingdom comes? What happens to those people who have passed on, who who are gone while we're waiting for Jesus to keep that promise? And Paul, being the pastor that he is, says... I want you to be quite certain about those people who have died so that you don't fear, so that you don't worry like those people who have no hope, so that you don't grieve like people without hope. We grieve, but we have hope because we know that those people have already been taken to heaven and when the kingdom comes, we will be there with them. If we die before the kingdom comes, we pray that our soul God will take to heaven. And Paul assures us that that's what God does. He calms that fear for us so that we can know that those people who are gone are not really gone, but they're living on in heaven. 
As I mentioned to you, we're going to remember some of the names of those people who have passed on in the life of our church in, the, in a few moments when Trinity offers the prayer. That's what we do on All Saints Day. We remember those people who have passed away. And as Trinity did such a good job during our, our children's moment, when we think of the word saints, we think of some of those people that Trinity mentioned. We think of those consecrated saints, the way the, the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church might define that term saints. We, we think of those people who have done miraculous things. Maybe they were martyred for their faith, or, or maybe they performed some kind of miracle, or they certainly led many, many people to learn more about Jesus Christ. People like St. Patrick, people like St. Paul, people like St. Mary or St. Nicholas. But in the Presbyterian Church, we define the word saints really in the same way it's defined in the New Testament. Saint really just means holy ones, people who belong to God. And that means that, well, all of us, any of us, can be a saint if we are claimed by God. I told you this story a few years ago, but Barbara Brown Taylor, who used to be an Episcopal priest, tells a story about a Halloween celebration at her church. Halloween is All Hallows' Eve, the eve of All Saints' Day, and so everybody was coming to the church kind of like we do for our trunk or treat, but one year they decided instead of everybody dressing up in their normal Halloween costumes, they were going to make it an All Saints' Day celebration, and so they asked people to, to try to dress up as a saint and come to church one day, dress up like St. Patrick or dress up like St. Nicholas or someone like along those lines, but of course... A few people tried to do that, but many people didn't get the memo, and so they just came to church wearing their normal Halloween costume. There were a few St. Nicholas's, a few St. Patrick's, but there were also a few superheroes. There was an Elvis. There was a Garfield. There were people dressed in all different shapes and all different sizes of all different costumes of all different kinds, and as they walked in the door, they were given a little tinsel halo that they were supposed to put on their heads. They all came in and sat down in the church. These, this eclectic gathering of people from all walks of life, some of them heroes, some of them not. But as she looked at this gathering of people, she thought maybe for the first time she was seeing what the communion of the saints was all about. A group of people who are gathered together not because of their achievements or because of their accolades, not because of their faithfulness to God, but because of God's faithfulness to them. She defined saints this way. She said, what makes a saint extravagance, excessive love, flagrant mercy, radical affection, exorbitant charity, immoderate faith, intemperate hope, inordinate love? none of which is an achievement, a badge to be earned or a trophy to be sought. All are secondary byproducts of the one thing that truly makes a saint, which is the love of God, which is membership in the body of Christ, which is what all of us, living and dead, remembered and forgotten, great souls and small, have in common. It's the title given to us in baptism. Paul Tillich, the great theologian, says something similar. He says, a saint is not someone who is perfect. A saint is someone who is transparent because they let the light of something greater shine through them. 
They let the light of Christ, the light of God's love, shine through them. They are not perfect in themselves, but they shine the light of Christ on others. For just a few moments, I want you to think about who those transparent people are in your life. Those people who shine the light of Christ on you. Because you're sitting in church, I'm pretty sure that you have at least a few of those people in your life. In fact, a few years ago, I read a wonderful book called Sticky Faith. It was a book, the point of the book was to try to give us some tools of ways that we can teach our children how to stick with faith, how to continue to come to church, and gave us lots of different techniques. And in the midst of the book, the the one technique that worked the most, that was the most important, was it said every child needs to have five people in their church, not their parents, five people in their church who cared about them who showed them God's love, who showed them God's grace, who showed them that they mattered. And if every kid who came to church knew that they had five people who cared about them, then they would keep coming back to church, that faith would stick. And I read about, when I read about that, when I read that book, I started to think about who those five people were in my life. And of course, my list was longer than five. I started to think about all those people from my childhood who made church a a happy place for me, a safe place for me. I started to think about my Sunday school teacher when I was in preschool who had been there for decades and decades and taught me about God's love. I thought about my choir director who taught me to sing even though I didn't have a good voice. She taught me to sing with a, a joyful voice. I thought about my confirmation mentor who helped me to memorize my my Bible verse thought about one of my basketball coaches who uh, didn't know anything about X's and O's, but he cheered for me at a time in my life when I needed someone to cheer for me. The list went on and on. All of those people had made a difference for me because they let the light of Christ shine through them. You know, we have those people around here. We have wonderful people who make the beautiful flowers that we see on Sunday morning. We have Sunday school teachers who have been teaching for for decades. We have people who come on Wednesday nights and sing in the choir so that they can lead us in worship on Sunday mornings. We have people who do little things like washing dishes so that we can have safe dishes to eat off of on Wednesday nights. We have people who pray for us on our prayer list. We have people who write wonderful, beautiful notes that we get in the mail and we don't even know how they knew that we needed a note, but they do that. Not only that, we've had those people here for centuries. Many of those people in our lives and the history of this world and and for decades here at this church. These pyramids that were hand-sewn by members of our church the people from our history who helped us start going on mission trips, the people who planted the foundation stones of this church, people we stand on their shoulders now. And of course we miss them. Of course we worry about them when people so precious to us are gone. But that's why Paul says, I want you to be quite certain about those who have died. I want you to be quite certain about those saints who have passed on so that you don't grieve like people who have no hope. Because I promise you, 
God cared for them in life, and God cares for them in life again. And so since we don't have to worry about them, what we have to worry about is how we can be one of those five people for someone else. How can we let the light of Christ shine through us? How can we be those transparent people so the children and the youth and the adults and the people in our community might experience the love of Christ through us? I know what you're thinking. Brad, I'm not a saint. And by the way, you're not either. You're right. I don't feel like a saint most days. But see, that's the thing about saints is we don't have to be miraculous people. We don't have to be extraordinary people. We just have to do the ordinary things with extraordinary love. We don't have to be anything more than sinners who keep on trying. In a few moments, we're going to sing our final hymn today. It's uh, For All the Saints. We sing it every year around this time. When you open your hymn book, you'll see at the, the bottom of the hymn book, the name of that tune is pronounced sine nomine. It's a Latin word that means without a name. It was written by Ralph Vaughan Williams many years ago, written as a tune for the, the words in the hymn book, but as he was writing the tune, he couldn't come up with a name for it, and so he just called it the song without a name. And that might be a a good name for an All Saints Day hymn because it reminds us that it's not our name that matters. It's not our accolades and our achievements. It's how well we point to the name of Jesus that matters most. It, as, as long as we try with all of our hearts to not point to our own name, to point to ourselves, but to point to Jesus Christ, then other people will see Jesus Christ through us. As we're singing that song in a few moments, I want you to try to think about some of those names that you remember, those people who were saints to you. They may be living or they may be passed on, but try to remember those names. And, and when you do, offer a prayer of thanksgiving for those people who loved you so dearly. As I mentioned, Trinity's going to name some of the names of people who have passed away in our church in the past year during the pastoral prayer. But you know, it was the great preacher John Buchanan who said, maybe the best All Saints Day prayer is the one we learned as children. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Bless Mommy and Daddy and Billy and grandparents on both sides, aunts and uncles and Uncle Jack in the Pacific who did not come home, and Bobby who died, and Uncle Frank in Europe who did not, Frankie who did, and neighbors and friends, and all those people who need extra help. And today we might add a few names to John's prayer. Bless Hannah, and Barbara, and Nell, and Bill, and Dean, and Marilyn, and Bob, and Kevin, and Bob, and Tip, and John, and Jim, and Larry, and all those people who have meant so much to us, all those saints living on earth and living in heaven, bless all the saints, O Lord, now and forever. Amen.